preaching anything new, you guys. Everything that you're going to hear today, you've probably heard before. And, um, but, you know, Al Graustein used to use that word, inculcate. That's how you learn, over and over and over. In different ways, you hear the truth, and sooner or later it sinks into you. I mean, I've been reading the Bible for 38 years. I'm still reading it and finding new things. And so that's the way it is. Just keep exposing yourself to the word of God. So we're going to begin by, um, you know what? We have Bibles. If you'd like to use a Bible, we've got some Bibles around here. You could use a Bible or you can follow up here. This is wonderful, but it doesn't get people into the word of God, which is there's nothing quite like it. So we're going to read Matthew 27, 45 to 54, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible, which, by the way, just gives um, every possible meaning to words uh, because there's no Hebrew to English. The Hebrew language is beautiful and it has lots of meanings for the words. So bear with me because it's really a beautiful translation. Now, um, uh, from the sixth hour, noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, three o'clock. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, leaving me helpless, forsaking and failing me in my need? And some of the bystanders, when they heard it, said, this man is calling for Elijah. And one of them immediately ran and took a sponge, soaked it with vinegar, a sour wine, and put it on a reed, a staff, and was about to give it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him from death. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And at once, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus observed the earthquake and all that was happening, they were terribly frightened and filled with awe and said, truly, this was God's son. So we're going to show you um, a little clip from the Passion of Christ, and probably most of you have seen it, but I feel like we're to watch this again. Are we ready? How many of you have seen The Passion of Christ, the movie? Okay. You know, everything, so much is wrapped up in that. And you can't watch it without being moved, you know. And, you know, they did a great job with that. I, I think that Mel Gibson was anointed to do that for us because when you read they scourged him and crucified him, we can't relate to it. They could in that day because they saw it all the time, but we could not, we cannot. But watching this gives it a whole new meaning. So what happened during those hours from noon till 3? Three hours as Jesus was breathing his last and drawing sin, past, present, and future, onto himself. Darkness was being sucked away. Not the darkness of no sunlight, but the darkness of sin and death. 
John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And since the garden, Satan had smothered the earth with sin. As it exits, we saw Hollywood's version of what the earth went through. I would love to see a study uh, on what happened all over the world during that time. And what happened in the cosmos when all the sin of the world <clears throat> was vacuumed out like a tornado, sucking up all the dirt and the debris. Only Jesus is the vortex. He was at the center of the storm, taking the sin of the world onto himself. He, he, you see the pictures of the storms? It's the center. It's like that. Just taking it all off of the earth. So why? You know, why? Jesus was all coming on so he could be buried in God's great love and new creation could come forth. <clears throat> Di falling on the ground and dying was what we saw in that video clip. How many of you have planted seeds in the ground or a bucket of dirt? Yeah, okay. I planted green beans this spring. <laughs> and um, the seed had to go in the ground, of course, <clears throat> and I did not see what happened to that seed. I only get to see the new plant that came forth, right? The new creation that came up. I've been eating delicious beans. <laughs> I, I haven't taken really good care of that garden, but those beans are still coming out. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, it was like conception, if you would, of new creation. The beginning of a whole new race of people, a whole new way of doing and living life. The beginning of a whole new hope for all of mankind. Two weeks ago, Pastor Dick preached on the topic of bearing fruit. Uh, he might as well have you know, titled it New Creation. I'm going to read and kind of expound out of 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 14 through 20 in the Amplified again, if you can bear with me. But I'm going to be kind of talking as we go along. Um, starting in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction, conviction that one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and, and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one. So that includes some people we may not want to be in that group of no one. President Obama, President Trump, the white supremacists, the terrorists, the guy down the street that you don't like seeing very much, families devastated by Harvey and Irma and all the rest of the fires and the earthquakes. No one is to be regarded from a purely human point of view. In other words, in terms of natural standards of value. You know, um, the Lockman Foundation came up with this. And they're saying, they've deciphered the Hebraic language and the meanings. <clears throat> so we no longer regard our fellow peoples on the earth the way we once did. So continuing with, with the scripture, um, no even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, 
Yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in the terms of the flesh. You know, that's a really valuable point. We have new knowledge, a new viewpoint, <clears throat> one from above and one that sees the value of people in the garden we now live in. Back to the scriptures, verse 17. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. And I've added a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Isn't that exciting? <clears throat> he was the first fruit. First fruits. We, as we become grafted into him, become new creation. Our first steps of that born-again life are sort of like Jesus' resurrection coming out of the tomb. Our conception, as it were, into a new life, our new creation. Verse 18 says, but all things are from God. Did Eric say that we, everything is ours last week? All things are from God, but who, through Jesus Christ, reconciled us to him, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. So, you see that two things were happening. Last week, Eric kind of touched on the same sort of thing, similar situation. Two things were happening, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't get the one, you get the two and we end up with right standing with God. So here we get new creation and the job of reconciling others to God so that they can have the new creation also. It's not just salvation to get us off the track we were on to certain death and destruction, a path full of bondage and darkness. It was a united work of redemption, work that united us with the Father and brought us into his purposes on the earth. We are in harmony with him. We are back in the place where Adam and Eve were before they ate the fruit. He has planted a new garden on the earth. Only it's not the plants that the new Adam and Eve will be tending and cultivating and bringing to show the Father. <clears throat> Jesus is the seed, and we are the ground. He is drawing others into that <clears throat> glorious oneness now available. How? How are we doing this? By the wide open door that, ha that opened when sin and darkness was drawn away by the siphon of Jesus' death off the earth, off the path of life, out of the way for all who look to him. His desire is that we would take up the banner, take the cry of Jesus, and facilitate reconciliation he has so audaciously provided. So back to the scripture again. <clears throat> it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with him, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Anybody happy about that? Ha! Yeah. Huh. Hello. That horrendous three hours with Jesus in physical agony while he was hanging on the cross... That's what he was doing, drawing sin onto himself and committing to us, you and me, the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God making his appeal, as it were, through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. I didn't make that up. That's in the word of God. Begging people. So back to 17 again. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Um, a number of years ago, I had a vision. And in the vision, I was standing in one uh, street corner. I was looking across at the other, waiting for the traffic light to change. And uh, as I was watching, there were men and there were women and people just mulling around. And all of a sudden, I saw other beings. And they looked a lot like men and women, but they were all light. They were like all white and light. And I really felt like the Lord was saying, we are dispersed like that among mankind, and we are light beings because he is in us. That new creation can be seen. And I, I, I remember walking up to some girl in a museum and went, you're a Christian. There was no visible reason why, but there was just something in the spirit realm I knew, and we had this great fellowship together. You can be seen. Uh, John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Have you been born again? Have you been born of God? Have you believed in the redeemed Jesus, been filled with his spirit? If not, you know what? I want you to come see me after or some of the people that will be up here and praying because it's vital. You are a new creation. I'm pounding on this. I'm encoding a new kind of being, one in which the Holy One of God has taken up residence. We have become something that did not exist before. There have been men and women and fish and birds and animals, all part of the creation of God, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden. There were none like you and me, none embodied by the God who walked with Adam and Eve, none empowered by that same one who walked with Adam and Eve. In his spirit, we, who also dwells in us. Until that day, Jesus hung on the cross and was raised from the dead. There was none. You were that new creation, that new species of creation, if you will. <clears throat> and, and you know what? That really gives a, a new light to this scripture. Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's us. Isn't that a, a stunning scripture? Until John the Baptist. And we're even greater than John the Baptist. Uh, that's amazing. So, then, uh, <clears throat> how then does he accomplish the second thing he was doing? The part that made us ambassadors. What was his plan and his design to bring these amazing truths? Uh, this free offer of new life to whosoever will. What was his plan? We can accomplish that with words or actions of both, and we should. Everyone is included in the word all. So there is no one you should not consider a possible hearer of the gospel. The when and how are answered by 
Whenever you are with someone, your life is a witness. Right? Your life is an epistle written so others can believe. Scary, scary words, quite frankly. But they should make us seek to know the one we are reconciled to. Get into the word of God. Often. Like every single day. Before you go to bed, you could ask Jesus, have I spent time getting to know you, my dear Jesus? And then read and listen to what he says out of his word. You know, perhaps you're familiar with the story of the two dogs. A man had two dogs, a skinny Yorkshire and a chubby Yorkshire. And the difference between them was the amount of food they got. Your, your flesh gets lots of food, both through the stomach and the senses. We feed our egos far more than our souls. <clears throat> but perhaps it's time to stop all that and feed our souls so that we can be effectual ambassadors. Find your food. Feed your new spirit person with the word of God. One of my uh, favorite sayings in the Bible is, um, this being so, how then shall we live? So this is what the word of God says in answer to how then shall we live. Okay? I'm reading in um, Ephesians 4.23. And you know what? We play a part in this. We play a big part in all of this. So I'm going to read. Um, I think this is in the ESV, the first part of it. Ephesians 4.23 says, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There's something you have to do. You have to do something. Renew your mind. Read the word of God. Put on the new self. That's an action. Did you ever um, act like you were feeling one way when you were not? Anybody ever done that? Okay. Sometimes putting on an act of kindness when you do not feel kind changes you. Put on kindness and love. Created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. If we're created after the likeness of God, then there must be a way for us to act that out. Whether we feel like it or not. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of, an, one of another. Put away falsehood. Don't lie. And the, po the positive, the do end of that is speak the truth. It isn't enough to just don't lie. Speak the truth with his neighbor. We're members of one another. 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anybody ever get angry in here? Mm. You didn't say don't get angry. Be angry and sin not. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a good thing to be reminded of. You can't sleep right. But you know why the next verse, 27, says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Oh, so then he affects our life through what we say and what we do? Okay, so here's some, a recipe. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay? Don't steal. That's the don't. Do honest work and share with those in need. Some do's that you can do. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. No corrupting talk. But then there's the do. Okay? Build one another up. Bring grace to others by what you have to say. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, you got to ask God about that. Do not grieve the Spirit. All the don'ts here grieve the Spirit. And 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So I took this and broke it down a little bit, okay? Hold on. These are all kind of out of the Greek. Bitterness, exhibiting intense animosity, wrath, passionate, fierce indignation, anger, violent, passionate excitement that expresses indignation and punishment, clamor, a loud, contentious noise, insistent public expression, slander, and the King James calls it blasphemous, vilification, a defamatory, defamatory utterance, and defaming somebody especially against God, blasphemy, evil speaking, and railing, malice. And it's interesting, it says, along with all malice, and it's kind of like added on there, bad, badness, that is depravity, or actively or passively trouble, evil, malice, naughtiness, wickedness. You know what? Do your own research on that. Look up all those words and find out what, what God is saying because it's all in there, okay? Find out wh where they are in your life and repent for them. It's not a big deal. It's just, just sin. Just repent of it. And his grace is there, you know? And the Holy Spirit will show you how to respond where you used to respond in all these ways. The Amplified Bible reads verse 31 like this. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, and contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Uh, maybe you didn't want to come hear that today. <laughs> maybe we don't want to hear about this stuff, but it's there. It's for us so that we can have that new creation life. You know, I think sometimes we consider ambassadorship as something, you know, like an evangelist, which it is, you know. But what's your worldview of an evangelist? Billy Graham? Reinhard Bonnke? You know, it's pretty clear by these scriptures that we are doing the work of witnessing, the work of an evangelist, the work of reconciliation by a lot more than just words. Sometimes we will direct, directly ask and beg and entreat someone to stop what they're doing and be reconciled to God. Has anybody ever done that? You've got to stop this. You've got to do it differently. I've done that and seen change. In a, a moment of desperation, person's ready to fall apart, ready to you know, kill themselves or whatever. Stop what you're doing. Be reconciled with God. I've done that. I'm sure some of you have also. Sometimes we'll speak by the Spirit, and someone will say, help me. I need to be saved. How often has that happened for you? Sometimes it does. I hope it does. But a changed life? Now, that's a true point of witness. 
there should be a difference in our behavior. And we need to put it on, put on that difference until it's part of our, our being. All those things I read from Ephesians are the how. How do we become reconcilers? Because that's what he said we would be. And all of it can happen as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. We can't do that kind of stuff on our own. We can't make those kind of changes. But we have the Holy Spirit, and he empowers us to be done with that, to when you're ready to blast somebody and you, uh, uh, you know, walk away. He empowers us to not do these things, not go where we go by our flesh. And finally, um, since there were a lot of don'ts in there, here's some do's. <laughs> at verse uh, 432, and this is a song, so some of you probably know it. Become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, readily and freely, as God in Christ forgave you. Anybody remember that song? Be kind to one another. <laughs> it was a really cute song we learned. I learned it along with my kids. <laughs> so I'm going to close with the scripture. Romans 8, 18 through 24. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. That's us. Waits for the revealing, the disclosing, disclosing of this sonship. That nature, creation itself, will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children, that's us. We know that the whole creation of irrational creatures has been moaning together in pains of labor until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, too. We have, who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the blessed, blissful things to come. We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality and the grave, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation as God's sons. For in this hope, we are saved. So I invite you. If there's anybody who wants prayer for anything, I'd love you to come up. If there's anybody who has been taught to pray, most of you know how to pray, come up here and pray. If you want the Lord, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want anything at all, please come up and we'll pray for you. And otherwise, be dismissed and... If you're staying, have a good lunch.